This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Bill Kirkbride, and today joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, and Gavin Buckland with the Tudor Fat over all the major talking points at Goodison Park, as usual. And no quiet weeks at Goodison these days, of course, and plenty for us to get our teeth stuck into. The derby continues to be producing stories and incidents and reaction and, and, and opinion, strong opinion at that. So we'll. Uh, We'll try and cut through some more of that today and, of course, obviously focusing on Pickford. But, of course, news about James Rodriguez's fitness. Bad news one day, good news the next. We'll bring you up to date with that. And, of course, look ahead to Sunday's game with Southampton. Um, we will start with Rodriguez. Uh, the club issued, not a statement, uh, an interview, uh, an in-house interview with Carlo Ancelotti uh, on Thursday uh, lunchtime. Um Revealing the disappointing news that James, in the uh, injury, injured himself in the uh, in a challenge with a uh, challenge from Van Dijk, should I say, in the derby, uh, and would not play against Southampton today. At his press conference, he actually says he now has an opportunity. He has partially trained and could be in very good chance of starting the game. Um, Preno. When the news on, on Thursday uh, emerged that, that, that James was was going to be out, how much um, dread seems too strong a word? But but what what does that change in your, in your outlook and, and, and hope for the match? I was disappointed. Um, you know, Carlo said in his press conference today about how Southampton are a very compact side that you know sort of defend you know very deep. And it obviously needs somebody with a bit of ingenuity and a bit of a spark to open them up. And Rodriguez provides that quite magnificently and has provided it all season. Uh, you know, we're all absolutely in love with uh, his, his style and his ability. And so, yeah, it, it was a big disappointment to hear that. Um, but, you know, in hindsight, from what we've heard today, you can't help but thinking that Carlo has been a little bit cute. I mean, let's not go over all that, you know, so Derby old ground again. Uh, I don't recognise the world we live in sometimes. And I don't mm. think I've ever seen uh, a reaction to an injury quite as extreme as that. And I've seen all manner of serious injuries uh, occur in Merseyside derbies on both sides of the divide. I've seen players' careers ended, uh, again, both sides, Jim Beglin, Jeff Nolte, without anything like the level of hysteria that we've witnessed this week. And that's all I can describe it as, hysteria, because it has been uh, absolute madness. So I think that Carlo has been quite uh, quite cute in many respects in, uh, in just trying to cut through all that and saying, well, OK, you know, so Rodriguez also sustained an injury. Uh, a hematoma, which is a word I only ever used to hear in uh, episodes of Quincy way back in the, uh, in the, in the good old days. But um, it sounds like he's not been able to train as a result of that injury. And obviously, he highlighted that it was uh, in an incident with Virgil van Dijk uh, that he sustained the injury. So I think it was designed just to try and take a little bit of the spotlight away from Jordan Pickford from this ongoing uh, Virgil van Dijk narrative. 
Um, so by saying that, well, okay, Rodriguez is also injured as a result of a collision that he sustained in the game, and it did briefly, you know. So I wouldn't say it absolutely put it to bed, but you know, it just calmed down ever so slightly. Um, and then today, you know, with a, I don't know, a, a raised eyebrow, <laughs> he says that you know he's uh, he's trained partially today, and uh, and he could be available on Sunday. Now, given the fact that the game is Sunday at two p.m., he's got an extra day tomorrow to prepare. I would like to think that, yes, he will be available uh, for selection. And I think it'd be very, very important because he's already very, very quickly proven that he's absolutely crucial uh, to our ability to open up defences and and score goals. Mm. And we'll we'll come back, um, Gav, we'll come back to Carlo's words early in the week and whether there was a hidden hidden or perhaps thinly veiled meaning behind them or not. Um, Look, Gavin, I I know you are not a fan of uh, assist stats, but I'm going to... Oh, no. (laughs) So needless to say, you are deeply unaffectionate towards pre-assist, but I'm going to read you a stat anyway. (laughs) Um, The the, the ever, ever interesting EFC Stato uh, Twitter account. James Rodriguez has either scored, assisted, or pre-assisted, i.e. passed to the assister, 10 of Everton's last 12 Premier League goals. Three goals, three assists, four pre-assists. Um, and what I was sort of asking Preno was, how concerned would you have been at this stage, this early stage, of, of, of seeing a game without him? Um, pre-assist, that's notwithstanding. Uh, <laughs> I'd missed that. I'd missed them. I know that. Um <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily a fan of those, but you don't have to be a stato to realise how important he is to us. And also, as well, I think the attention that he gets off the opposition, as we saw within the opening sixty seconds of last Saturday's encounter, <laughs> is that he, you know, he he sort of will attract attention only in terms of marking, and plus. The one I miss is, I mean, he's, he's one of the best crossers, corner takers, you know, yeah. I've ever seen play for Everton. I mean, you saw that last week, didn't you? You know, the corner and that ball he put in for the Charleston was was, um, was nearly perfect. So, you, you, you know, you can't, I just, you, you can't, you can't welcome his signing as a, a, top, a top, 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 top player, and at the same time, not be disappointed if he's in the team you know and I think I, yeah I think there's been maybe a little bit of not, I wouldn't say mind games but something going on this week uh, maybe due to last Saturday um, yeah if he was not playing on Saturday I'd be bitterly disappointed more so because also on the opposite flank we have not got Richarlison as well yes yeah yeah which obviously you probably want to talk about yeah Absolutely. Well, Adam, uh, you know, Gav mentions Richarlison and Richarlison is certainly in the last three seasons of the Premier League, you know, the, the, the full three three seasons he's had in England, he's consistently been one of the most fouled players. Do we yeah. think, as Gav alludes to, that it's perhaps, and when, look, we're not, not specifically talking about Van Dijk in this moment, we will come on to that, but do you think it's actually going to be become more of a fixture in in the season uh, to come now that Hammers is being targeted a little bit. He's had five games where, you know, four and a bit games where he's run rings around people. But now yeah. the opposition are going to look at that and go, we need to try and stop him somehow. Yeah, I think so. I think we maybe saw the uh, 
the start of it in the Brighton game. I seem to think that Brighton doubled up on him almost, and it wasn't yes. wasn't any sort of aggressive tackling that they put in on him necessarily, but they very very much had the game plan to try and deal with James Rodriguez. And I suppose in a Merseyside derby, you you could kind of expect that Liverpool were going to you know put put a couple of challenges in on a couple of our best players. You know, it, it kind of it happens in those sorts of games. Obviously, you don't want. Uh, your best players to be picking up injuries, but you know from from Merseyside derbies, you do expect the kind of rough tackles, and yeah, you know it's it's only going to be a matter of time until other other teams try and take that approach to Hamas Rodriguez, because as you say, he is such an influential player, and if if you give him the time and space on the ball, then he can he can dismantle essentially every defense in the Premier League. I'd, I'd be willing to say with the with the with the performances that we've seen from, from him so far and bearing in mind, have we seen him at 100% fitness yet considering mm. the level of fitness that he came to us in? I'm, I'm not sure we necessarily have seen him 100% fully fit yet and still he's, you know, pr- proven so influential. You say in our, you know, 10 of our last 12 goals in the Premier League, that's, that's an incredible stat and, you know, he, he might not be fully fit even yet. So, yeah, I think it it probably is only going to be a matter of time until we see, you know, people leaving a leg in or you know trying to trying to rough him up a little bit, you know, try and welcome to the physicality of the Premier League, uh, as it were. But you know, it, it alludes back to something that Carlo Ancelotti said. You know, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. You know, Ahmed Rodriguez is just a really good footballer. At the end of the day, he doesn't need yeah. to adapt to the physicality of the Premier League. If teams are going to be playing like that against him in the future, then I've got no doubt that he's going to find a way to play around them anyway, because he's just yeah. he is just that good. So yeah, you know, f- fingers crossed we do get to see him this weekend because you know, like the lads have said, I think he is just such an influential player for us. And I think Gav touched on the point there, especially you know that that set piece delivery that he gives us is just so consistent and it provides us, you know, a hell of a weapon uh, in terms of, you know, getting Keane forward, getting Mina forward and of course for Calvert-Lewin as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed he can he can be involved. Absolutely. Prano, is, is Rodriguez our talisman now? <laughs> um, I don't know about talisman, but he's certainly very, very, very influential and he's not really a player that you can replace like for like um, there's nobody else in the squad that has that kind of, you know, sort of God-given talent, if you like. Uh, in many respects, he reminds me to a certain degree uh, of the, the the stature that Kevin Sheedy had. Uh, so, you know, way back uh, in the in the eighties, and certainly with the set-piece deliveries as well. And uh, you know, we also had a very, very top-quality backup for Kevin Sheedy and Kevin Richardson, uh, who went on to win titles elsewhere. Um, you know, so with Arsenal and uh, you know, get, get caps for England uh, after leaving Everton. But whenever Kevin Sheedy was fit, Kevin Richardson was always dropped uh, because Sheedy was just so different to everything else that we had. And Rodriguez is very similar in that respect. Uh, he just brings this little gilding of vision and class. And uh, you can't really say, you know, anybody else you know, in the squad that, that could, you know, comprehensively replace him. So, yeah, maybe he is a talisman in that respect. You know, he does make things happen. Uh, he does create opportunities. Uh, so, yeah, you know, he's, he's a one-off. You know, he is an absolute, you know, sort of top-class footballer. And uh, we're just, you know, glad to have him here. Mm. So many of you listening to this uh, will be aware, of course, a, a segment of, of Carlo Ancelotti's uh, pre-match press conference that's... Um, that is for newspapers was actually briefly screened 
live on the YouTube channel when obviously normally the uh, the cameras are, are turned off. We'll not go into to necessarily what Carlo said, and, and you can read the um, his full answers to, to a number of questions around um, to around you know uh, Rodriguez and, and the Van Dyke foul. Um, but I thought it'd be interesting to, to ask similar questions, to lads. Preno's already kind of alluded to to maybe Carlo being a bit cute, Gav. Um, did you did you find it strange at all? As the question was that Carlo um, went publicly and described, you know, the players involved in the tackle, saying it was, you know, it was, it was a foul by Van Dyke. That's that's where he got injured. Um, did you think there was anything, you know, was there a was there a ploy behind behind his words there to to make a point at all? Uh, I think there was. I think it was a cutely timed comment. Hmm. I think he's let the uh, let the matter. <laughs> Notwithstand what Plano said at the start about the reaction, is he let the sort of let it die down a little bit. I think I think if he'd have come out on Monday and apologised, and you know, it would just fan the flames even more, then wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, I think waiting four or five, and it was ludicrous as it sounds, waiting four or five days for things to simmer down and then saying something about it, I think it's a wise move. I think if he'd have come out of it, say after the match and made the big thing of it, it would have just you know, I've said said it. I think said on Monday. It's a massive story. It would just it just exacerbated it and put more, yeah. even more, more scrutiny on Jordan, which he probably didn't need at the time. I think it was quite a wise move just to um, just to let it die down a bit and then just calmly make a few few points. And I think that was quite a, a wise strategy, to be honest with you. Mm. Adam, do you feel it was a case of of, of Carlo wanting to to? You know what I asked you earlier. Then defend Hamez because it had gone largely in the hysteria, as Preno has described it rightly, in the hysteria and the noise of the of the game, which had, had gone on and gone on. You know those mm. challenges, which yeah, of course haven't haven't sort of had the same level of impact as they have on you know Van Dyke's injury. Looks like it's caused. You know, we're not we're not mm. saying it's like for like, but you know, do you, do you think it was important that Carlo? was seen to publicly defend his player and make a point, you know, that hasn't gone unnoticed. Yeah, I think it was in a way. And I think you've quite rightly touched upon it there, you know, just to make sure that it doesn't go unnoticed. Because I think, you know, as, as you say, in the in the absolute hysteria of, of surrounding the Pickford and Van Dyke situation that follows, you know, it kind of did go onto the radar that Virgil van Dyke started the game with two fouls inside the first two minutes, you know, one on one on Rodriguez and one on Calvert-Lewin. Obviously, the one on Rodriguez has left its mark in some sense. So I think, you know, considering that he has done that, I think it was it was right for Carlo Ancelotti to kind of point that out. But I think he I think he has pointed it out in a clever way, as the lads have said. It was, you know, he's we've stayed quiet about it for the uh, for the time being. And I think, yeah, that was that was the right move. And then, you know, just to come out a few days later and just, you know, casually make that point along with saying obviously we wish Van Dyke all the best in his recovery, etc. I think it's it's very much taking the moral high ground in the, in this sort of scenario. And I think, you know, that was that, that was kind of important for Everton to do over you know, over a week, which has seen you know, some absolutely mad comments from some some from some pundits and, you know, some uh, some fans as well. You know, it's just been it's just been absolutely madness. And I think, you know, the lads are quite right. If if Carlo Ancelotti had come out too early and said something like this, it would have just fanned the flames and it would have it would have really been detrimental. But I think it, it was it was the right time and it was quite clearly the right thing for Carlo Ancelotti to say. 
Mm. Pranav, it, it wasn't just Pickford and it wasn't just Richarlison who, who've gone over the top recently because as you said earlier at the top of the pod, so, some of the reaction, and they're not even necessarily within the media, some of the reaction generally to the fallout from the game has been, um, hasn't just been nasty, It's 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 gone beyond that, hasn't it? And it's actually worrying that people would react so strongly and so viciously and, and say some, you know, pretty horrific things in the direction of of Pickford, particular, particularly and his family. Um, are you surprised that social media has, 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 has generated, not generated, but has been a platform where such, such horrible things have been said? I mean, it's just, yeah. I find it utterly depressing, to be honest. Sadly, I, I'm not surprised now uh, because, you know, obviously the job that we do, we all experience uh, this level of uh, vitriol on more than say a daily basis. But, you know, all of us have been subjected to, you know, sort of unpleasant things on social media. And it's just the world that we live in now. Uh, it is a platform which can be very, very positive and can be very, very good uh, for society. But also it can be very, very bad. And it allows idiots and, you know, sort of, negative people to, to spread, you know, sort of bitter and twisted uh, views, you know, anonymously a lot of the time. And some of the stuff I've seen this week has just been absolutely, you know, outrageous. Um, it wasn't a particularly brutal derby match. You know, I've seen far, far worse mm. in, in the fairly recent past. But, you know, obviously there were two high-profile um, you know, so incidents in the game, uh, both involving, you know, so Everton players, one was rightly punished. The other one, Jordan Pickford, we've all said that, yeah, you know, so he was fortunate, you know, to escape a red card. Uh, but I still, you know, steadfastly hold true to the fact that I don't think he intended to, uh, you know, cause injury to Virgil van Dijk. It was just a clumsy, um, you know, stupid challenge. It wasn't malicious. And so to have the level of vitriol directed towards him that we've had, death threats, you know, so people threatening to fill him in if they see him in town, it's like, oh, come on, really? Is this the world that we live in now? And it's it, it's depressing and it's, it's saddening and it, it's not really surprising, to be honest, because we see it so often in so many walks of life uh, on Twitter. Uh, and other social media platforms, but it, it does. It, it's it's one of the the big negatives of that platform, and it's something that the people that run, you know, the the platform haven't really got to the bottom of yet. Uh, it's not just football; it's other walks of life as well. But it's sad. It's depressing, and uh, it tends to influence other people as well. You seem to get more extreme views than in other elements of society, and there's even people in our profession. You know, so in journalism that, you know, I've, I've basically shook my head a bit and thinking, really, did they really write that? Did they really said that? Mm. It's, it is, it's quite sad, quite sad, I'm afraid. Yes, there have been some uh, some interesting theories, should we say. Gav, um, it was it was almost 12 months to, to, to this day. I think it was actually, it was into early November when we were discussing on a pod um, back in the days when we could meet in, in the office and actually do a pod in face-to-face. <laughs> Uh, we were discussing the out the, the the fallout from Andre Gomez's injury uh, yeah. after the Son um, challenge against Spurs yeah. at Goodison, um, and it feels that that the issues that were sort of you could, you could the umbrella issue was of course this feeling among Evertonians, a section of Evertonians, that there is a media a wider media issue with the club or agenda, if you want to call it, that there's a bias against the club and, and towards the so-called top six. That has, has reared itself again this week in, in the in the coverage of, of the derby and, and particularly the yeah. Van Dyke incident. Do they have, do those supporters who feel that, do you feel they, they've got good reason to feel that? 
Um, depends what you mean by bias. Um, to be honest with you, if you if you if you mean bias in terms of something happens to a player in the top six, it's treated differently to somebody yes. who's not in the top six. I think I think that's bias, thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think I think I think that's right. But I I view it as not not so much bias as in profile perhaps is the red it's just given a high profile because it, it sells newspapers it generates internet traffic you are dealing you know some of the big clubs and that I've got say 10 times as many social media followers as Everton have so therefore if you follow that through in terms of the numbers of people who are going to read that articles then there's two things going on there you know you'll get more people reading articles because they've got a bigger fan base we all know that and also like Liverpool last week, Premier League champions, etc. So it's understandable that 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 that, that happens, I, I, you know. And, and in the days when people are trying to generate as much revenue as possible, as we all know, because of the environment we're in, I'm, I'm not got a problem if if, if that's the strategy. Um, where, where I do have a problem is, and I don't see it that often, um, is where. The same thing happens to the same player, but the, the verdict is different because one's in the top six and one's in the bottom six. I, was, I always think, and this is, I'm not, I'm, I'm not speaking, I know lots of people in the press, are, um, but I'm not speaking, just generally, not as individuals, is I think, like, say, players, when they go away in internationals, usually say to play for England, if they make a mistake and they're not in the top six club, it's, it's treated slightly differently than if they play for the top six club. I've thought that right. for a long time. Okay. Um, um, but apart from like getting more coverage, oh yeah, you know, Van Dyke's got more coverage than Andre Gomez. Well, that's not so that's understandable, isn't it? I mean, it's also a testament, by the way, to that how well, how high profile we are compared to twelve months ago, because we're top of the league. Yeah. So the derby had a lot more. See the coverage of the derby. That was a lot more coverage what you normally expect in a derby because we're top of the league. So some of it is, is actually down to our higher profile as well. Um, and, you, you know, so I think I've, I've not got a problem with it. It's understandable. It's just good, good business. You, you, as, as long as incidents aren't treated differently because of the players involved and who they play for, I've, I've not got a problem. So say, for example, a top six goalkeeper does exactly the same thing to Van Dijk next week but because he's in the yeah. top six said oh yeah that was a you know fair challenge it was yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean you know, that, that's a, you know he's going for the ball there's no element there of you know wanting to maim the opponents and, and, like that. And, and, if that, and I think that, yeah and I think I think that's been part of the issue hasn't it for, for certainly for, yeah. a, for some for some fans it, they would you know I'm sure they would agree with me saying that they they felt that um there was almost a will for Pickford to be retrospectively punished, almost. Yeah, but the, you know, but that's part of the noise around it, isn't it? Really, I mean, most of the people I, I, I know you can pick and choose who you read and stuff. Well, most of the comments I've read and accounts I've read and people I've listened to, pretty reasonable assessments of Pickford, to be honest with you, and his role in it. But uh, but then a wider piece, as we've spoken on here, as Everton fans have spoken about about. John's general, I won't say state of mind, so like where John's gen, general demeanour at the moment, you know. Um, I've not, if it gets more coverage than people think, uh, that's to be understandable. It's a big story, but some of that was down to us because of where we are at the moment. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
Adam, um, inevitably, because no press conference seems to go by at the moment without a question to Carlo about Jordan. Uh, he said pretty clearly he, he's got no consideration whatsoever, especially in this week because of the the Ferrari and, of course, the stuff which the which the police are investigating, those hideous comments. Um, he's got no consideration of taking him out of the firing line and and and, and taking him out of the of the spotlight for, for a game. And he will he will play against Southampton. The right call, in in your opinion? Yeah, I think it's absolutely the right call. I think if you were to take him out of you know take him out of the firing line per se now, I think it would only have a detrimental effect on him. You know, especially after the week he's had. You know, he's not he's no he's the England number one, isn't he? He's no stranger to having criticism laid at, laid at him let's say and you know he's not he's no stranger to having all eyes of the country on him but obviously not in this not in this sort of sense you know he's probably never faced the the kind of social media abuse that he has faced this week unfortunately but I think it would it will just be detrimental if we was to say okay let's let's throw Robin Olsen in for the for the next game because I just think it, this is the perfect chance for Pickford to just go out there and you know, have a solid game for Everton and show exactly what Everton fans want to see from him. And what I would say is, as, like as well as the social media abuse that he's seen this week, you know, Everton fans did rally together earlier this week to yes, send him positive yeah. messages on social media, which I think was was a really nice thing. I, was, I spoke to uh, Dave from the Everton fans forum yesterday, and he was just talking about you know the the need for him to show that there is a positive side of social media as well and that there are yeah. thousands of like-minded Evertonians who just want to send their you know their gratitude to Pickford and you know just to tell them to keep going and you know hopefully you know as much as you might have seen the abusive messages hopefully he sees these positive messages as well and that gives him a certain air of confidence going into this next game you know Everton fans are behind him Everton fans want to see him succeed and do well at this club and you know fingers crossed he can uh, he can get that well, get get back, uh, get back to his best form against Southampton this weekend. But yeah, I think it would have been, it would have been the wrong decision to to drop him this weekend just for things that have happened off the pitch. Really, I, I just don't think that would have made any sense. Mm. Just generally, Preno about about Pickford's form and, and putting all of the nonsense of this week aside, and generally about Jordan Pickford as a goalkeeper, Everton's number one. Are you, are you? Um, on, on, on Jordan, you know, continuing as number one, you're confident he's going to rediscover the level, I suppose, of form that he showed in 17, 18, his first season when he did you know, the end of the year. He, he, he scooped all the awards at the end of the season, you know, was was tremendous. You know, Carlo backing him publicly at every turn. Um, are, you, are you confident we will we will soon see again the Jordan that we saw back then? I think there were signs last weekend that we were starting to see a return to that form. I mean, let's not forget that, you know, whilst, you know, everything's being uh, overshadowed by the incident with Virgil van Dijk, he produced two absolutely top-class saves in that game and another very, very good save from Trent Alexander-Arnold. And that was a sign of the, the Jordan Pickford that we remember from his first season. Now, I know, yes, he got away with one with the uh, the offside goal. You know, he, he should have done better with the Jordan uh, with the Jordan Henderson shot, although the ball did take a little bit of a, you know, sort of bounce in front of him. But generally, his performance was good. Now, whether... 
I'm confident in him reproducing that level of performance week in, week out. I'm not so sure. So much of it, like I say, is psychological uh, with Jordan Pickford, you know, uh, and he was busy last week, which is probably a good thing for him. Mm. Um, You don't want him to be in the spotlight at all this weekend. And regarding, you know, social media, whilst I totally applaud those efforts by the Amazon fans, I dearly hope he's not been looking at it. I think he's, I hope he's been told, look, don't go near it. It's funny, I was listening to a, a podcast earlier today. I do listen to all the podcasts very occasionally. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's a boxing one. And, uh, you know, so Paul Smith, you know, from these parts uh, was talking about uh, the incredible amounts of grief he gets on social media and uh, yes. how he handles it. And um, he says that, you know, he sat down and spoke to Jamie Carragher about it because they both train at the Rotunda Club in town. And um, Carragher just said to him, don't look at it. He says, you know, that's what I always say to people. If you don't want to, uh, you know, sort of get wound up by people, if you don't want to engage and get involved, you know, so angrily with people, either don't engage or don't look at your notifications or just don't go on the uh, on social media. And it sounds like a bit of a sweeping statement because obviously in our industry, you know, so we use it for, for positive purposes. But for somebody in Jordan Pickford's um, position, I don't think he should be anywhere near it. I think he should just be focusing on his uh, on, on his performances, training hard and, you know, so just not even going near it. Whether that's you know realistic or not, I don't know. Uh, but, yes, yeah, so many of his issues appear to be psychological. And I just think that, you know, spending any kind of time on social media at the moment would be detrimental to him. But um, of course, uh, he's he's not an Everton player. Um, but I think you know it's worth in a discussion about about social media. The positive aspect of social media is, is the work and how Marcus Rashford is using it. I mean, it's absolutely sensational, Gav, what he's doing and how he's using that power of social media for such a positive effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's face it, we shouldn't have to if you're being no. brutally, no. brutally honest. Um, yeah. And that's the power of. I mean, it's good and it's good and bad. I mean, we've, this this month, I was just thinking about Everton this month. You know, you've had obviously some stuff last week which wasn't great, but we started it well a few weeks ago. That's Sunday night, man. You get to Everton number one in the iTunes is purely through yes. people communicating mm. and 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 sort of getting things moving on social media. So that's like the real positive, uh, you know, positive thing we've seen this month. On, on, on about it um, so it, even for this one for Everton it's been quite good um, yeah but the Marcus Rashford I can't add anything to what people have said I'm um, surprised you find time to play football he's playing quite well at the moment <laughs> uh, to be fair but yeah I mean it, that, that's positive I mean, but even Rashford's had a lot of stuff thrown at him hasn't he yes yes yeah. I mean, the, 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 going back to Preno's comments it takes, a, it takes uh, somebody maybe lacking in a few brain cells to start giving abuse to a professional boxer on a <laughs> social media I'm thinking about was it Curtis Woodhouse that fellow was giving stick to yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. turned up on his yeah. doorstep or he said them at the bottom of your own that was the just shows you yeah 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 you know, it's a, not the wisest move um, no no uh, and moving on briefly sort of to, to wider um, Premier League European football issue this week um Yet another incarnation of a, of a European breakaway league was mooted in the news. Uh, the European Premier League or Euro Premier League um, hit the stands, if you like, and the, and the news that it's been cooked up, a FIFA-backed um, tournament of 18 of the biggest teams in Europe. Um, should we be concerned that the Premier League will, will soon be dismantled as we know it? I mean, with the amount of stories that we've seen about this, I just want to say, oh, go on, just go. 
just leave, just leave, just get it. Let's just get it over and done with, just so that we that we stop seeing these stories. And I had that, I had that Simpsons moment in my head, like thinking, what would the Premier League be like without Liverpool and Manchester United? And it was just like people dancing in the sunshine. And I was like, oh well, <laughs> would, it, would it really be that bad? But it's, you know, obviously, at the same time, these these teams do bring a lot of revenue to the Premier League. They've got a huge profile worldwide, haven't they? And uh, I don't know. I, I just feel I just feel very blasé about the whole the whole situation with this with a potential European Super League. I, like I don't think I'd find any interest in it personally. Like in, in, even in terms of just like watching it, I just don't think just don't think it really really pushed my buttons to be honest. So I've just if if they want to do it, like that's what that's what I mean. I kind of just want them to say, "Oh, go on, just just go and do it. Just just leave us alone." Yeah, yeah. Preno, a, a man from a, an era when when the idea of there being a, a top six perhaps is, is an alien concept back in back in a certain time. Um, it was it was suggested on the speaking of other podcasts on the excellent Price of Football podcast a couple of weeks ago that. Imagine, okay, the top six disappear into a new a new league and do their own thing. Imagine a Premier League and, and a title race involving us, Leeds, West Ham. You know, you know, all the other sort of traditional clubs in English football could be very lively, couldn't it? It could be, yeah. I've, I've seen all kinds of uh, statements as well. Uh, people saying, "Well, fine, let them go, and we'll invite Celtic and Rangers down to join yeah. you know, this new league." It's it seems to happen periodically. These uh, these statements about um, you know sort of new leagues. I mean, the only time it's ever really happened properly is when the Premier League was created in 1992, and that was effectively just the same you know teams just rebranded in a different mm. way with a, a nice new trophy and um, a different mindset really, um, which you know attracted you know supporters to it. Um, it's something that leaves me, like I say, shrugging my shoulders and saying, I've seen it all before. I don't think anything's going to happen uh, in the short term. And it just appears to be motivated by greed once again. A certain number of clubs trying to uh, generate as much money as is humanly possible for themselves at the exclusion of everybody else. Um, if there's any kind of you know sort of concrete discussions taking place sometime down the line, maybe I'll start to take notice. But for the time being, I'm just like, oh, yeah, here we go again. And uh, just dismiss it, really. Gather the risk of sounding cynical. Um, it, it felt to me like the leaking of, of that story was particularly opportunistic on the back of the uh, the uh, reaction to the uh, project Big Picture. Um, yeah. Any thoughts? In, in, in other words, you're blocking Big Picture, so we're going to do this one now. Uh, or, yeah, or, I mean, even, or even, oh, this is scoop, this, this scary European Premier League being talked about. Maybe Project Big Picture isn't too bad after all, lads. You know yeah, I mean? well, that's that was one of the that's one of the things. The only thing to say that there's not exactly a load of enthusiasm for this one, is there really? No. Um, I'll give you a few of my thoughts. One, I think it's absolutely appalling that in the midst of a global pandemic where hundreds of thousand people are dying or millions, that actually you've got football clubs, you know, allegedly or whatever, you know, no some have denied it, you know, talking about breaking away to just to earn more more money. I'm amazed at you know but now you under, you underestimate the ability of top football clubs to want even more money, don't you really? And and, and as Adam said there, is have you done any market research about who want to watch this? Because <laughs> you, you have these anomalies that they want to break away. Say teams want to say break away from the Premier League because actually the Fed up playing. I don't know, but always respect West Brom or Fulham. But mm. probably one of them is going to be the West Brom or Fulham of the European. 
Premier League. Um, it, it makes no sense. Um, and I think there's obviously, and that's even before you get to the protocols of things like you need UEFA's permission. You also need the Premier League's permission to play in Europe. You need to be licensed. So there's all sorts of administrative and gov- you know, governance protocols that you have to go, go through. Um, I, I think it's just as ever um, posturing for obviously the, the rebranding and relaunching the Champions League in 2024 uh, it, it's all to get a better deal out of that I suspect um, mm. to be fair I mean it's it just it would take it, it, you know all these the, the pretty stable businesses these football clubs at the top end only United you know United lost a, 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 and said that loads of money yesterday in their accounts mm. it would take it will be mighty risky for them to go into a completely different new league. Um, with really, you know, somebody backing you through that, um, you know, to, to 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 try and you know establish a new brand, shall we say? Where, mm. where most of the planets would be pretty ambivalent towards it. Mm. I mean, I would watch it. Why, why no, would well, watch, Why would you? If you were in it, playing it in it, why would you want to watch it for a yeah. start? And of course, you know, Champions League has a bit of a, you know, conscious time. It's a bit, you know, it, it's it's rarity and scarcity adds adds to its excitement. Um, this where you got, I don't know, Atletico Madrid against Porto in the middle of January, ninth versus tenth. Who's going to watch that? Yeah, yeah. And of course, you know, and, and we could talk for hours on, on subjects like this. But of course, you know, are, are these clubs underestimating the power and, and the feelings of, of their own supporter base? Because I would be shocked. If many, if any, Liverpool or Manchester United fan would back a breakaway yeah. and 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 re- being removed from the Premier League, but anyway, we move on. So before we talk uh, about Southampton and getting the lads' predictions, um, we will do a special pod on this because it's worthy of, of such. Um, but Pren, I just wanted to give a, a quick plug and, and a quick update on the reaction to your book which I've started and it's it really is ge- ge- genuinely superb what I've read so far um, how's the reaction been? It, difficult to say really because uh, I've, I've only had feedback from you know, my contemporaries and peers if you like and they might just be being kind to me <laughs> I've, I've had you know uh, Greg formerly of this parish who said it's like the best sports book he's read for years and years uh, guys from across the park podcast, uh, one of our rivals who I spoke to last night, um, who were absolutely gushing in their praise of it. Uh, people that work at Everton now, who I'm not going to embarrass by naming, uh, saying that they're absolutely loving it. Uh, so, yeah, it, it's been very, very positive. Um, uh, I've not seen any kind of figures. It was only today's the actual, or sorry, yesterday is the actual day that it was officially uh, launched, although I do believe it's been on sale in Waterstones uh, and a couple of other bookshops uh, for four or five days prior to that. Uh, And one of the positives of social media is that you do occasionally get positive messages. Uh, So I've had lots of good feedback on that, apart from one individual that told me that uh, everybody at Everton despises me and uh, he wouldn't wouldn't touch it uh, or anything associated with the rag that I work for. So there you go. (laughs) But but no, largely it's been been very, very positive and very good. I mean, as I said before, I'm pleased with this. I mean, it's something I've had up my sleeve for... Quite a long time. I mean, I started uh, knocking together some of the anecdotes. Oh, gosh. 
seven or eight years ago uh, to the mm. point where I had about 10,000 words worth of stories stuck in my inbox and I thought that I really need to do something with these uh, sometime soon you know otherwise it will never happen and one of the very very few positives of uh, you know the current situation is that when we went into lockdown uh, beginning of the year I was saving myself an hour and a half's worth of commuting time every day so I got really stuck into it and got it finished by by June so yeah I'm pleased with it reactions being good and uh, I'm just hoping that you know everybody you know enjoys it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we will uh, we'll dedicate a proper pod. Hopefully, we'll get some time next week, and we'll 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 sort of without giving too much away what's in there. We'll we'll maybe get a bit more into the uh, into the the bones of it a little bit. But um, okay, moving on. Southampton. Uh, the last game, of course, was at Goodison uh, during the Premier League restart, and look, Gav, they looked a very very strong team. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts going into Sunday? Tough game. I think as Adam was saying early on today that it's a big challenge for us having the, the obviously the, the, the long winning long winning run had ended last week. Mm. Maybe so it's got to regain a little bit of momentum. A couple of injuries. I like Southampton. I, I don't know how to pronounce the manager's name still. Hassan <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, Ralph Ralph. Just go with Ralph. Ralph, Ralph, I like, I like, I like Ralph. I think he's, uh, I think he's um, going to go on to bigger and better things. Perhaps you know, with all due respect to Southampton, uh, so I think it's going to be a really tough game. It's, you know, it's, it's remarkable, um, Gav. You, you know, you mentioned you, you know you really like him, and I think he's he's winning a lot of people over. Fair play to Southampton because a lot of clubs would not have stuck with their manager after being tonked nine nil at home. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they win more points from Leicester friends from then to the end of the season as well, wasn't there? Some yeah, mad start yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah, and fair play. They've obviously seen something. I thought they were excellent at Goodison, uh, to be honest. But yeah, uh, their, their midfield ran rings around us um, in particular. I think it's a really tough game. If you want my prediction... Yes. Uh, yeah, this is what what this is what it's all about, Phil, isn't it? Really, uh, I'm going. You know what? I'm going. You see, I, I've I've now realised that I can't keep up with Adam, so I'm going to have to. Uh, I've either got two choices: go for a Mads four-two scoreline, or go for and bottle it. I'm going to bottle it. Here. I'm going to go with a one-all. But I think maybe a decent result in the circumstances. Of course, I mean, Ad. I mean, it's 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 scary to think that come Sunday kickoff, we could be second. I mean, it's just yeah. what's going on? It's, it's absolutely unheard of, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, in terms of Southampton, I, I was backing them to be a bit of a dark horse at the start of this season. I thought, you know, after that, you know, nine nil thrashing against Leicester, I thought Hazen Huttle kind of hit upon something at Southampton. You know, he hit upon a bit of a rhythm. He got them playing a certain way. So that's also, you know, as Carlo Ancelotti mentioned, that compact style. Pressing high up the pitch, you know, full of energy, you know, with Danny Ings up front in particular, and it was it was working really well for them at the end of last season. I think I had a, bit, a couple of hiccups at the start of this season. I watched them uh, in the first game of the season against Crystal Palace, uh, where they got beaten. I didn't, didn't think they were great in that game. Thought they started well against Tottenham, but obviously, you know, Kilmin Son and Harry Kane when they're on form are going to rip apart most teams. So you know, I, I don't think I can judge them quite so harshly on that one but by all accounts they played really well against Chelsea last time out so they're going to be a really interesting team to play against and I think the addition the, well the hopeful addition of James Rodriguez could be could be really key for Everton to try and break them down so 
Uh, I'm go- I'm still going to be positive, obviously. Uh, I'm going to go for a 3-1 win for Evan. 3-1, lovely, lovely stuff. <laughs> Preno, what are your thoughts? Um, they're a strange side, Southampton. Uh, they can be very, very good uh, and be very, very bad, uh, sometimes in the space of the same game. Um, as they were, you know, against Chelsea last week, you know, found themselves in a really, really, you know, sort of poor position, but you know, managed to retrieve it. Uh, as Adam mentioned, got taken apart by Spurs, but you know, um, you know, came back and managed to beat Burnley and, uh, and West Brom, was it? So, yeah, you know, the, the difficult side to read. The big concern for me is, is you know who. Uh, there always seems to be one striker that, you know, as it in for Everton and going back to Les Ferdinand and Rice, you know, who from across the park, you know, one particular striker that makes it his mission just to score against Everton more than anybody else. <laughs> and Danny Ings does that. I think he's got six already. Uh, he scored more goals against Everton than any other player, oh, sorry, than any other team he's faced. And he's informed this season, you know, he's uh, he scored plenty of goals already. So he's a threat, you know, we, we need to uh, defend against him very, very well. But equally, we've got a centre forward now who's just looking like a, a, a player transformed. Um, you know, apart from the goals he scored, his general all-round play just looks so much better. I mean, his touch, uh, you know, his polish, the way he's like handling the ball, he's bringing really difficult balls under control instantly. Um, he's getting shots off, and that equaliser last week. I mean, I loved that uh, comment where I heard um, the Liverpool bench knew that uh, they were in for trouble when they heard the Everson bench's reaction to yeah. Lucas Dean's cross coming in because they just know how good Calvert-Lewin is in the air and they knew what was coming next. I mean, this is a man who could equal, is it Tommy Lawton's record of scoring in the first, is it five games, first six, five Premier, six, six Premier six, League games yeah, yeah, this yeah. season? I mean, that is astonishing. You know, that, that is a record that has stood since 1938. So, you know, whilst we're concerned about Danny Ings, I still think we've got a centre forward who's even better in Dominic Calvert-Lewin, which is why I think both will have decent days. I think both will uh, probably get on the score sheet, but I think Calvert-Lewin will score a couple to Danny Ings as one, and I think we'll win... 3 2. 3 2. Okay. 3 2. 3 2. Um, we need to get Sam Carroll's prediction, but we will do. Chris Beasley has just come back to me 2 1 Everton, which I like. And I think I think you 2 1. I think it'd be tight. I think Samson give as good as they get, but I think we will just have enough, especially with Hammers uh, being fit, hopefully. So 2 1 to the Blues for me. So Gav 1 1, Adam 3 1, Preno 3 2. Well, I hope, hope Preno's right because. It's a, it's a long slog for a nil-nil, so 3-2 three, would, three, 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 would, uh, would be eventful, wouldn't it? And, uh, and another win. Um, chaps, excellent stuff. Uh, really good, really strong opinions, excellent insight as always. Thank you very much for your company. Uh, as I said, uh, I'll be down uh, on the South Coast this weekend uh, covering the game, so you can stay with us. And obviously myself and Adam covering the game, uh, providing... All the news, all the views and analysis from hopefully another victory as Carlo Ancelotti's Blues march on. Thank you very much, chaps. And thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.